Welcome to episode 35 of the Coach Fury podcast. My name is Steve, Coach Fury Hollander, and thank you for listening to my show. I am the owner of Fury Industries, which is located in the Gowanus area of Brooklyn, New York, South Slope. I'm your speakeasy of strength, where I offer fitness classes, personal training, and online coaching. I also teach for several organizations and travel and do courses. If you're interested in some of my courses, Check out CoachFury.com. You can find out all the courses I have coming up as well as info on training with me. So we just finished the second RKC2 at Catalyst in NYC this weekend, and it was an awesome event. Um, I also happen to be celebrating my fourth year as leadership in Dragon Doors RKC program, and it's just been such an honor. So thank you so much, John Duquesne. But I really got to give a massive, massive shout out to the Catalyst crew Joe Boffy, Jason Kapnick, and Kathy Dooley. Uh, the three of you, you know how much I love you. I've taught more courses there than at any other place. So thank you for your support uh, as well as training there. And to all the attendees who crushed it, um, it is a different vibe when you go from level one, level two. Even in ye olden days, everybody sort of knew it. You've gone through it. The level of, of coaching and communication and just overall friendship, uh, still with some nerves, but not the same level of nerves, was really outstanding. So it was a fantastic group of people there. And special shout outs to my two amazing assistants, Becky Cody and Marco Guinello. Thank you so much for uh, delivering some upcoming courses. Um, this Saturday, coming up, May 12th, Dow Health and Fitness in Austin, Texas. We still have some spots for Original Strength Pressing Reset. Come, sign up for that, and learn how to press reset. What that? What is that? What is that, Fury? Look, we're going to tap into your developmental sequence to help with your reflexive strength, stability, and mobility. So come check that out. If you can't make it to Texas, June 9th, come to Guilford, Connecticut to Quest Fitness, my brother from another who's been on this podcast, James Newman's place, to take original strength pressing reset. And then I have an HKC, hard style kettlebell certification, the one-day version, swings, goblet squats, and get-ups, coming to MFF Bowery on July 15th. That's what I'm going to talk about about courses right now. I want to talk about the podcast. So there's going to be a change, uh, not a massive one. But when we've done Films of Fury episodes or bonus episodes in the past, I haven't numbered or counted them. And I don't know necessarily why. I guess I didn't want people to get confused. Um, I also didn't want to put extra workload on Glenn, who does the thumbnails for it. So I was like, okay, I can make my own pictures for that. But those are all going to be, they're all going to be part of the numbered system now. So you know, technically, this is episode 35 based on the numbering, but it's actually episode 37 if you count the Stranger Things 2 episode and the OS Pro bonus. I want everybody to be included in terms of these episodes because people are still putting in the work and the time to do it. So that also brings me to here. We've talked a lot more fitness than I expected, and that's not going to go away entirely, not whatsoever. But it's time to get geekier on some of these episodes. So today is a special one. It's the first Godzilla episode. I don't know how it's taken almost eight months to do a Godzilla-based episode. So you're going to get to meet my guest, who is a Godzilla collector and fan like myself that I met through Facebook, right? That sounds psycho murdery just out the gate. The conversation's way better than that, but you're going to get to hear us nerd out on Godzilla and heavy metal music, uh, 80s culture, just in general. And I, we are going to have more episodes like that, including the return of the Films of Fury pod squad, which is going to be next week. You're going to get an episode on Avengers Infinity War because, oh, my gosh, that movie. So my promise to you is we're going to get more into geek culture, into pop culture, and all that stuff as well, which is a big part of what the intent of this show was. 
Um, but I'm not getting rid of the fitness guests. We're still going to have awesome people coming up. So in addition to today's Godzilla episode, the Avengers episode, we're going to have Becky Cody, who's crushing it in Jersey. Just helped me on the RKC, RKC2, I should say. She's awesome. So you're going to get to hear from Becky also coming up. Um, but they're all numbered episodes, more geeky stuff coming up, all good. And I'm just going to fan out on everybody that was furious fan out this week. Everyone that was at the course this weekend, Avengers Infinity War, and um, Tosh.0, the, the current season, uh, you know, <laughs> it's like sometimes I just want to turn my brain off and laugh, and that show makes me laugh. So that's it for Furious Fan Outs this week. And I'm fanning out finally, actually, one last one on you, the listeners. By the time this episode is out, we will have had 10,000 plays on the Coach Fury podcast. Now, I know that's not some extra crazy number in the world compared to big podcasts, but to me, that is insane. So for you being one of that number for several of those episodes, most likely, thank you. For everybody that talks about the show, Let's me know how much they loved an episode, how much it means to them. It's, I, I love getting those types of messages. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, Ewoks and Wookiees. The Godzilla episode with Brian Matascio. Thank you for coming on. I know it's always like a little bit of weird. The podcast was started to sort of be a a thing of all the things that I'm into, like fitness and, and Godzilla shit and movies and, and music. And it's gotten very heavily just because of my friends, more fitness oriented. Yeah. And it was just time, time to start getting more uh, other aspects into it. But I also know I see that you work out and stuff. So like we can talk a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. But um, I, I, you know, it's hard to explain from my singular perspective, what might get guys like us into Godzilla. So I thought it'd be cool to have a chat <laughs> yeah, about yeah, that. Cool. Definitely. Definitely. You were the same age as me, right? Uh, I'm 45. Okay. I'll be 44 in a month from tomorrow. So. Yeah. So we would have been going to the comic book shop together uh-huh. in this sort of golden age of being a, a kid from the seventies and eighties of being a geek that we have so much, an overabundance of wealth it's talking just after Avengers infinity war just opened. Yeah. I was just um, thinking that, uh, that there's, it's, I, I can't believe what's, what's going on in our world that there's like, you know, not only new American Godzilla movies being made, but new Japanese Godzilla and anime films being made. Um, we have Avengers, we have continuing star Wars stuff. And while a lot of people like to hate on that stuff, I think we lose perspective of what it was like to be like that that movie nerd or the comic book yeah. nerd who was like basically going with his one or two friends to the shop, right? Yep. Yes. So we're going to start this heavily on a Godzilla. So listeners, how I got to know Brian, and we've actually, this is the first we've actually talked not through a Facebook messenger thing, is I got into collecting Godzilla toys pretty late. And I can go into why later. And as I was starting to explore what was out there in the market, I got part of, I became part of a couple of Facebook groups and Brian was one of them. And I bought, there's, there's various lines and it's funny once you start to learn more about collectors and what's, what's cool or what's not cool, what's like, and I don't mean that in like a negative, non-negative way, but there was a line of American Godzilla toys called Bandai Creations that everybody would crap on. But I just wanted some for my kids to play with. And Brian actually sold me a bunch of those. And then every now and then there'd be like a certain type of line of collectible figure. I'd be like, I'd I'd ask Brian questions about it. And he was always super cool. And then we found out that we like a lot of the same uh, music, Faith No More, the band Gojira. Um, 
a lot of overlap there. Yes, so, a lot. Yeah. I'm so stoked to get to talk to you about this. So let, let's go all the way back. What is your, what, what do you think it is that drew you to Godzilla? What's like your first Godzilla uh, memory? I mean, I think probably the same as a lot of people. It's just dinosaurs. You know what I mean? Just, every, you know, I love dinosaurs when I was a kid. Um, my first uh, books that I remember were like dinosaur books. And then my first real movie that I remember was King Kong versus Godzilla. I had to have been like no older than five. Yeah. I think. And, and I mean, this is back when they would show King Kong versus Godzilla on prime, you know, in a, in a prime time TV slot, you know what I mean? Like on a Friday night on like ABC or something like that, which is inconceivable now, you know, well, those early days of television. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you must remember, we're only a couple of years apart, the, the birth of cable television. Like yep. I, I remember pre cable. And then I remember when cable come out, came out, you had the, the wire to the box, little push button mm-hmm. switcher. Remember that thing? Yeah. You had the, the box had the fake wood paneling, like everything <laughs> yes. did at the time. I totally and, forgot about that. And, and it had a bunch of buttons. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything had that fake wood finish because, you know, to have to class everything up, you know, and it, and it sat on top of the TV and it replaced the rabbit ears and the TV still had the dial, uh, you know, to t- you had to turn, I think to get the cable, you had to turn the TV to two or three <laughs> and then you could get cable. But even then you only had like 15 or 20 channels, you know? Yeah, so, so true. But uh, yeah, I mean, I remember getting cable. I think we were like nine. I was probably not eight or nine when we got cable TV. So this was, you know... My first Godzilla movie, I was, I didn't know what it was. I knew I liked it. I knew I was put to bed uh, before it was over, and that bothered me. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, from that point on, it just became a, there was a Godzilla library, a book in a library that I think everyone has seen that's probably our age. It's that hardcover yeah. Godzilla. It's got the uh, bright orange back cover, and there were a whole bunch of monsters. Uh, there was a King Kong one and a Dracula one and a Frankenstein one. And I remember... In first grade, there was a sign-up list of boys to sign that book out, so everybody could get a chance to sign that book out once a year. And because my mom was a school teacher, she was able to buy a copy of the book from from whoever you know you know whoever supplied the library. So I, I got a copy of that book. I think when I was in second grade, and um, yeah, and I still have it. And I actually got it signed by uh, Haru Nakajima uh, when I met him in Boston, and. Uh, it's one of my like original guy, and it's like it's so strange that I got that when I was eight, and it's like pristine condition. It's like I took such good care of it. Nothing I had as a kid at that age was in good condition. Yeah, I have that and stuff. My Shogun Warriors, and it's in pretty good shape too. Yeah, Dave Whitley, who was the pre- previous two episodes guest, he when when this video conference started with his episode. Mm-hmm. I saw his face, and then the next thing that flashed was his Shogun Godzilla in mint condition, working fist and tongue. Everything yeah. was in place, and I was like, "Damn, I never had one." That was like what 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 I considered my rich kid, my rich buddy's toy. <laughs> I, I didn't have that or the Adat Walker. Yeah, that was a great toy, you know. And uh, but it was the only Godzilla that I, that I had for years and years and years and years. I mean, um. You know, my other Godzilla toys weren't to scale with it, or my other dinosaur toys, excuse me, weren't to scale with it. I didn't care. Like, everything, you know, I had a two-headed dragon that I taped wings on that <laughs> came Dora. You know, um, I made other monsters out of Legos. I mean, we we lived through that, uh, like, that famine of, of cool Godzilla the, stuff, and now there's so much Godzilla stuff out there. We, you know we, had to this, it, you know? we had a scrap for that stuff back then. Yeah. Before we get into the toys... What was, what do you think it was aside from like the dinosaur thing that 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 sucked you in to King Kong versus Godzilla? Because I'm going to admit that's one of my favorite of the Showa eras. Yeah, 
But um, what do you think was that draw that like just like locked you in? Like this is something special for me. Uh, you know what? I mean, other than the fact that it was a giant monster fighting a giant gorilla, a giant dinosaur fighting a giant gorilla. And you don't need much um, more than that. Yeah, at, at four or five years old, it's, you know. Um, but there is th- there's something about those Showa movies that have this sort of surreal quality that you don't see as a kid, you know, because the creature feature was a thing when I was a kid, and yeah. I got into the creature feature more as I discovered Godzilla, not the other way around. And th- there's a massive difference between 60s Toho monster movies and uh, 50s and 60s American or British monster movies. And I think that sort of like surreal quality to it also kind of drew me into it because I was also interested in the human stuff, which at that age I really normally wouldn't have cared about, but I was very, very interested in it. And like I said, I remember I, I got put to bed when Kong bit the electric towers. Um, that was, I had, it was my bedtime and I was like, well, I, I wanted to finish it. And my dad was like, Oh no, it's over anyway. And I was like, you know, even in my little head, I was like, that doesn't seem quite right, but Okay, and that, from that point on, though, I was obsessed with finding out more about what that, you know, what that was that I had just watched. And putting this into perspective, this was a time when if the TV turned off early, you might wait three yeah. months to a year to see it again because yeah. you had no idea. This is when you'd actually have to get the printed out TV guide if your parents had one yes. and try to see if it would show up. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I can't remember which was the first one I saw. All I have in my memory is around that time of Thanksgiving when they would have the marathons. The marathon, yeah. And I, I, I had no idea of sequencing, like, which ones came out when, other than black and white. I always had an understanding that certain suits, I dug more in the design, like, you know, like in, 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 in our land, people like to crap on the 67 suit from Son of Godzilla. Yeah. Because it is kind of like one of the doofier suits, but it's also the one that holds the most to me. For some reason, when people ask me why I'm into Godzilla right now, I honestly, I think there, there's clearly a giant, powerful force of nature dinosaur, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is definitely there. And I, I want to believe that things like that can still happen. Not that I want cities destroyed but like i want to believe in bigfoot i hope he's out there um i want there to still be that level of mystery and i'm gonna be honest and this comes up as part of like the my die mighty motto is like i love that he was parenting a a, a, you know minya baby godzilla like i just something connected with me and it's funny how I tried to, you know I, i blew it with my kids basically i tried too soon to get them onto this thing and the the what people today lose versus what we had is there's no pacing left. Um, they're so slow and kids today want to see everything happening so fast that, yeah. you know, it's hard for them to get into, but you know, just being on an exotic Island and seeing natives and then seeing, you know, even though they were clearly miniatures, but like, they were still like that suspension of belief was still there. And for the kids now with the high end visual effects, like, my daughter who's 11 like for years would call out that's like just it's too slow it's derpy it's it's, it's (laughs) the guy in a rubber suit but I'm really grateful that we got to be a part of that because you know I have a my my past career was in visual effects before I got into training so I understand how like they make a Godzilla now or how they make Skull Island now yeah and while I know the process of how they made you know a Godzilla movie then or even Star Wars pre-digital 
it still blows my mind that they were able to put that together, that they were able to figure that out and frame things and time things. So I could still marvel at it that way. But I'm going to say Son of Godzilla is probably the most impactful because I also liked it when there were a lot of monsters. Because I think I already knew that some of them were slower than others. And that one was like a fantasy island full of monsters. It, you know, doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, that movie's pretty fast-paced, you know. Yeah, it's just – it keeps moving. And I think that's why, like, Destroy yeah. All Monsters is another – you know, yeah. big, big, big one for me. And also, as as everyone's marveling, myself included, no pun intended, at Infinity War, Toho was the first people to really start taking their crossover. Yeah. Doing these big, big multi-film crossovers. Although, yeah. you know, the, the plots weren't as specifically interwoven. Um, so we'll, we'll take it to Toyland now. So you had your Godzilla. What was, when did you start? What was, what was the line or the figure that you came across that sort of reignited buying... Godzilla figure. I mean, yeah, man, there was so little. Um, like, I grew up in Podunk. You know what I mean? Um, and I was cl- I'm close enough to Philly, but it was, you know, at, at 12, I wasn't going to Philly to browse the, the cooler comic shops. I was yeah. kind of stuck with what I had. And honestly, I, had, I don't think I had ever been in a comic shop until I was in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, there was no, there was no such thing as a comic shop um, around here. There was one in the mall. So when I, you know, when I got my license or when my friends got their licenses, it was in a mall that, you know, um, wasn't the mall that we would go to as a family. It was further out. And then there was a comic book shop in Wilmington, Delaware that we would go to. Um, but again, in high school, you know, so I had never really been in a comic book shop. I'd, I'd had comic books, but I'd never, you know, there were the comics you would get at like the drugstore or whatever. Yeah. There's always been one in my background. Like as long as I can remember, there's yeah. always, we always had, it's, it's been closed. Unfortunately, I was like, I think one of like, they could close like three years after I actually worked there. We always had this place called Heroes World comic books in, in, Lo- in Levittown, Long Island. And as long as I can remember, like if I was going to a doctor's appointment, I was super scared of getting shots, which is kind of crazy now that I'm covered in tattoos. I was afraid <laughs> of needles. Yeah, and my mom would be like, "We'll go to the Heroes World after nice. and buy like a yeah. comic book or a figure." So those old nice. Mego figures. We talked about this actually in the last one, yeah. and that place would hop around a little bit, but it was always there, and it ended in a mall. And when I was finishing editing and post production on my actually my NYU thesis short, I, I was working there part time and editing part time, and it was such a cool thing. But Godzilla toys weren't even, and we had a we had a good one with a nice toy selection. Like there wasn't a lot. Yeah. There wasn't a lot. So when you started to find things, what was, what was the line and what drew you to it? Um, I mean, the first things I saw were Bandai stuff. Um, and I, you know, I was working part-time. I, I was still in high school. I didn't really have them. And now I, I regret, I'm like, man, I should have grabbed all these <laughs> Bandais at the time. You know what I mean? When they were $15 each or whatever it was they were. But so, um, so I knew that that, that existed. And my, my, my liking of Godzilla kind of came in waves as I was younger. Like, it, you know, it was when I was really young and then I kind of got out of it until about fourth or fifth grade when I got a uh, book called the Godzilla, the dinosaur encyclopedia by Donald F. Glut. And it had a whole chapter on Godzilla. So that wow. really, really kickstarted me from like fifth grade on. And then I went, went to a comic book show and someone was playing a bootleg copy of Godzilla versus Biollante which I had no idea there was any Godzilla movies after Godzilla 1985. This would have been, I think I was a sophomore in high school. And right around that same time is when I started finding Bandai stuff. And then I got the Max Factory. I saved $75 and I bought the Max Factory Godzilla 1989 figure. 
And for the longest time, that was it. I had that and I had my Shogun Warriors Godzilla. And then um, right around the mid 90s is when I actually started collecting. And I didn't really have any kind of pattern to it at the time. You know what I mean? It was kind of just like I wanted, I collected what I saw. Yeah. There was so much. I hadn't seen it and there was not a lot of it. So if it was cool, I bought it. You know what I mean? Yeah. On my limited budget of, you know, just having moved out of my parents' house and living on my own for the first time and, you know, in, in my mid early 20s. What the listeners can't see right now is Brian speaking to me on a video <laughs> conference with like just an amazing display of uh, figures behind him, some of which I know are worth a lot of money. And it's just, it, it's cool to hear the start of this to know where he's, he's going. Yeah. So I had a decent amount. Um, and then I, n- I had never gone to a G Fest, but I knew that was a thing. I, f- I remember finding my first issue of G Fan um, back in 2004. Uh, excuse me, in, uh, it was issue number 14, whatever that would have been. So that would have been like the late 90s, maybe, 96, 97. Um, so that also, I was like, there's a whole, there are other people that like Godzilla other than me. Because there's a magazine dedicated to Godzilla, an, yeah. an American magazine dedicated to Godzilla. So, because at the time, I honestly thought there was nobody, like I thought that, like there was some, like I was this one-off person who really, really just liked Godzilla where everyone else sort of had like a pay, like, oh, it's all right. You know what I mean? But it was not, it wasn't Star Wars and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't X-Men and it, you know what I mean? So yeah, finding G-Fan was huge. I mean, that was huge. And then the internet was also huge. You know what I mean? Finding Barry's Temple of Godzilla. I don't know if you, if you remember I'm, I'm, I remember finding that actually through an issue at G-Fest. So for me, for me, it was all about the movies and so from the toy perspective, other than that Shogun Warrior, which I never owned, I, I, uh, G.I. Joe's, the three and three quarter inches, were always my favorite toys. And I yeah. realized pretty quickly that like, it, I was all about articulated figures. So for the problem, we would like Bandai's. And then later when the Trendmaster stuff came out, I would like check them out. And I think they're cool. But in terms of like, I was still looking like, I guess, for a playability factor in them. Yeah. That G.I. Joe's just like spoiled me on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was one of those things where I would, every now and then I would notice there was like a, a G fan at the comic book shop and I would like pick it up and read it. And I think early, and it would go in waves with me too, where it's like, I think early days from that, like I remember checking out Barry's, but like not really diving deep into it. And, you know, it's, it's interesting you say it, like how you felt, you know, kind of isolated in your fandom because like Godzilla forever, as long as I, I can remember, it's been like this big pop culture icon. Like everybody knows what Godzilla is. Yep. But it's nobody really talks about him with such passion, you know, yeah. or, or has that fondness. And I don't know why that is. It might be. I think sometimes the dubbing takes away from it. Subtitles take away from it. I, I think it's so yeah. easy to be like Star Wars is an American product. Here we go. Yeah. But I remember cool. when Pee Wee's Big Adventure came out and that scene. <laughs> yes. One crazy awesome. summer. Like yeah. those were huge for me. Yeah. But I mean, Godzilla in the United States for the longest time has been synonymous with crappy science fiction and. It's and the thing is, if you really sit and watch it and look at the craftsmanship in the movies, it's not crappy science fiction. You know what I mean? It's especially the the uh, the early uh, '60s, really uh, up until Destroy All Monsters. It's all they're all really really well done. So, and I think though that's the stigma with it, and you wouldn't really. It's not like you would go and 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 seek out people that like Godzilla because liking Godzilla was sort of like you like God you like that goofy stuff or the. Or guys in suits, <laughs> guys in suits are wrestling each other. You know what I mean? And so, 
it wasn't until I found GFAN and, and honestly the internet that I realized, okay, you know what, there's a whole bunch of people out there that like this that are that are, you know, cool guys to talk to that aren't um, you know, these these weirdos living in, you know, in in, in a their parents' basements or what have you. you know, the the stereotype. So Yeah. That was the, that was the thing. And and finding um finding those people and seeing those people's collections is what really made me be like, holy, you know, holy crap, dude, I really you know, I want to get in on this. Yeah. So that's kind of how the, that's how the hardcore collecting started was, um, seeing that. That's really cool. So for me, like, um, I, I went to NYU for film school the last two years and this is, uh, early mid nineties. And we had Kim's video was a, uh, a, a sort of like, if you were into films, like really into films and in a, like, hard to find stuff, foreign films, Laserdisc, Kim's video was the spot and they had a few locations and uh, the, the, the best one was by NYU and kind of how you found out about Godzilla vs. Biollante. I walked in and I was like, there's like five films I'd never heard of. Like all yeah. the 90s films, I had no idea. Like, like you said, like uh, Godzilla 85 or 84, however you want to you know, name it was, I was like, oh my gosh. And then I had a little bit of mixed results at the time because I, I was a little snobby at this point. This is when I'm like starting to watch like uh, John Woo movies and stuff, you <laughs> yeah. know, we're starting to come in and I'm, I'm really into like this fast paced, you know, cutting. And then it took me a while to get back into it. And then I got to see Godzilla 2000 in a theater in the city yeah. yep, and really woke me back up. But still the toys were still like, I guess trend masters were still happening. I just, I, Hey, I was like old enough when I was in college and I, I you know, I was kind of like not buying. I was still buying comic books. McFarlane toys were really new and popular. So I was buying all the Spawn stuff, you know, and all the fucking color variants of that stuff. Yeah. Um, And then focusing on the film stuff. For me, the toy thing then came in. I don't even know how I stumbled upon it, but I I got a, I came up on Amazon on uh, Little Godzilla, the Monster Arts figure, right? Yeah. And my, my, my girlfriend at the time, my, now my wife, Kim, was like, oh, he's so cute. And I, and I bought that for her. Yeah. And then through that, I started looking through the line. I'm like, they finally have articulated, highly detailed Godzilla toys. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they're freaking expensive. But I'm like, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to get a couple. And of course, a couple meant to more. But then mm-hmm. you find out how fucking fragile they are. That was my biggest problem with that and, line. Man. Oh, my gosh. And you're like, oh, pieces are falling off. Like, uh, Batra's legs are like the worst thing ever but then through that i got one facebook group and that led to other facebook groups and through you i got introduced to like marmots and all these other lines and then i found x plus (laughs) yeah and you're an x plus guy right i'm an x plus guy now i've basically sold off all well i shouldn't say basically except for the figure i got kim i have sold off all of my uh monster arts figures and have started collecting specifically x plus now folks x plus is a japanese toy company they make very high-end very detailed well painted most of the time 99 percent of the time well painted vinyl japanese figures uh, and ultraman and gamera stuff and they tend to come in like a what is 25 cent is, is like around like seven, centimeters seven, eight. Like- Eight inch, eight inch, inch right? Thirty centimeters, basically twelve inches. Twelve, and then the gigantic line, which is yeah. what, about a foot and a half ish, right? Yeah. And I started diving into that, and I started spending way too much money, way too quickly, <laughs> even on the monster arts at the time. Um, 
and have now narrowed myself down. So I only, unless it's a figure I know they won't make in 30 centimeter, like a King Ghidorah, at least yeah. I'm, I'm kind of praying they don't, although I would love to have one, is I stay in the 30 centimeter line because I like how they have a presence on the shelf. I don't really care about the articulation anymore because admittedly now I realize I'm old enough, I'm not playing with them and there's no way I'd have my kids playing with these. Yeah. Um, and now, yeah, I do have some Bandai. So I've been very fortunate for the last three years, and I get to go in again in October, is I've gotten to go to Japan. So I've been in Okinawa four years ago, and Tokyo, this will be my third time going to Tokyo this year. Nice. So I'll pick up, I've got to, I got to see Shin Godzilla, the latest live action one in a theater. No subtitles. Yeah, yeah. That movie is 95% yep. talking. I mean, dude, that's how I saw all the Heisei Godzilla. That's how I saw all the 90s Godzilla movies. Was Oh, really? So on, I had subtitles. On, yeah, on VHS bootlegs. I would go to comic book shops, or I would order them from Video Dekaiju, <laughs> which you might remember they used to put I remember ads. that, yep. You could order like three, three movies for like $16 or something. And, I mean, dude, I would sit there and I would just – I would fast forward through the slow parts and I would watch the monster. <laughs> and, I mean, I, all the way up through Destroyer, I did not see any of that stuff subtitled until um, – Honestly, I think until they officially were released on a on a VHS. Oh, that's or, amazing. Or, uh, or DVD, whatever whatever came first. I don't even remember what came. And a lot of the movies, the original Godzilla 1954, the original Gojira, the original. Yeah. Um, you know, I had seen the Raymond Burr version, but I never saw the original version. I saw that on a bootleg um, VHS as well that I ordered from Video Daikaiju because there was just no way to see these movies. <laughs> and it was the same thing with the toys. There was no way to get these toys short of going to Japan or the internet, or going to a bigger comic booky type, like chiller theater yeah. um, in Jersey. Um, there, you know, there were always there were always dealers and stuff there. But I mean, honestly, it wasn't like it is now, where you could just hop online, find a figure, buy it, and build a collection. So the early days of collecting was a, it was a, like a labor of love. You really had to, it, you really had to look, and it was kind of fun that way, though. You know what I mean? You kind of had a sense of, of achieving something when you, would, when you would build a collection in that way. There, there's definitely something about the thrill of the hunt, the persistent thrill of the hunt, and then, you know, the victory of snagging one. I remember, so I, I, you know, I had comic books all the time, and growing up in Long Island, we had a lot of comic book shops. And I know, like, all, like, even through college, my, you know, my buddies and I, on a weekend, we'd hop in a car, mm -hmm. and we'd hit up like three to five comic book shops and whatever toy stores were around, you know, looking at star Wars stuff or when there was no gap there, GI Joe's, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, just to see what was out, you know, when, when, when star Wars got re-released as power, but uh, power of the forest, we would hunt that stuff out. Me and my buddy, Evan, my friend, Corey. And, um, then those movies came out and I guess I was fortunate. Kim's had them subtitled and I got through, I don't think I realized how many there were. I didn't see all of them. Um, but then now, we're so fortunate. We have, well, I remember what was, forgetting the, if it's what, what the name of the company was that released those really nice VHS and DVDs, the DVDs, classic media, the, it might've been media mm -hmm. where, where they were finally letterboxed. Cause that's another thing. Yeah. I became a film snob in school where I'm like, I can't watch pan and scan four by three anymore. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the dubbing is crazy problematic. Like Godzilla, uh, raids again is like not, it's probably my least favorite Godzilla movie. Mm -hmm. The dub version of that is ridiculous. How much over, yeah. Uh, it's, it's so yeah. funny I, and see that's funny to me because that's one of my favorite godzilla movies although i will say i i say favorite in the sense that i know it's terrible <laughs> but i love it you know it's so bad but i will i love it it's just and i love the dubbed version 
the voiceover is just like, and yeah, he's flying over so, the plane right now yeah. when he comes upon the island and he sees yeah. the guy on the island. And you, then he, you can literally like, just, you could go in the other room and do something and you will not miss anything because that guy narrates every single thing in, in exquisite detail. But it's one of those movies that, you know, it, I, it, I hold a fond memory of finding it on TV because that's what a lot of people don't, don't realize either is, you know, guys our age, to find a Godzilla movie to watch was also an accomplishment. And there was like, you, you know, know I mean? v- VHS yeah. wasn't even a thing. So in, yeah. historically in perspective for people that are a younger than us or, or not in a Godzilla or, or, or just, um, I don't mean spoiled in a bad way, but don't realize like there were no cell phones. There was no, uh, barely cable. Yeah. It was v- I remember when people started getting their first VHS tapes and then the ability to record a television show. It was amazing. Um, and then I remember when finally you had the ability to try to, poorly schedule a recording remember that like whole function Mm -hmm. before dvr so it was like you had to really give a shit about what you were into in a way now that you can't and what i realize is interesting now is like so i'm really into this band uh, dc hardcore band dag nasty right in in their second album they had this like tribal symbol and i got that it was like the third tattoo i ever got i got that tribal symbol on my leg yeah there was no i wasn't reading fanzines i didn't have an internet i never knew what that symbol even met. And then mm-hmm. later on, I looked it up and it was like, not really a special meaning behind it, but like, it was like t- 10 to 15 years later, we had the internet where I could find out what this tattoo means. Right. Yeah. yeah. And to go back, like Godzilla raids again is not one. I think I ever saw during those old marathons. Like it doesn't yeah. stick in my head as, Oh, it was uh, never on the Thanksgiving marathon. Yeah, and the Thanksgiving I, marathon for people who don't know what we're talking about every year, um, WOR, which I think is up your way, right? It was New York. Yeah. Station, yeah, right and we got it down here somehow we got wor down i have no idea how we got wor but we got <laughs> wor and every year um i want to say that on thanksgiving they would do like a king kong uh son of kong king kong versus godzilla mighty joe young sometimes was thrown in that would be thanksgiving and then the day after thanksgiving um would be godzilla movies and man like talk about as a kid like not fine and then to have that many in that many days you i mean you're talking about you know, six or seven monster movies over the course of two days. It was like, you know, it was just awesome. Thanksgiving, when I was a kid, that was what Thanksgiving was. And that's why to this day, I will always watch King Kong on the night before Thanksgiving. I just put it on and I, and I watch it. And yeah, just to remember, you know, just to remember that. And that's one of those things that you kind of, you know, you, you have it all on DVD. And if I really want to do it, I can make a Godzilla marathon on Thanksgiving, but it's not the same you know what I mean? As, no, as, it, to- it totally isn't. Yeah. I, I feel the exact same way. My, my childhood memories of what I love about Thanksgiving are those movies and waiting for my aunt, uncle, and cousins to come over. Yeah, spending and, time with your family and watching those movies. And, it was like the best. And, and, and it's, it's really weird how that is part of the emotional attachment today <laughs> for it. Because, you know, I don't think, I don't know if I would put like a single Godzilla movie in like one of my top five or even top seven movies of all time, but he's clearly one of my top characters of all time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember I used to freak myself out as a kid. Like, um, you know, I'd be skateboarding home or walking home from school and there'd be like, you know, how every now and then in the suburbs, there's this weird quiet where it's like a little bit of trees and a little bit of traffic in the distance. Yeah. Right. And I would think of that as like, that's that quiet before Godzilla pops up <laughs> behind the houses. Yeah. I was really good at freaking myself out about stuff like that. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Chud, Cannibalistic. Yes, of course. Yeah. So, you know, sorry, mom, if you listen to this, but I would be getting drunk at the bleachers at school in high school <laughs> and be hammered skateboarding home and like ollieing over manhole covers 
in case so the Chud wouldn't get so Yeah, wouldn't totally. <laughs> and then the cool thing was, and I don't think he ever appreciated how much of a hero I thought he was. When I went to film school, finally, one of my teachers, one of my mentors at film school was David Irving. And um, he was the director of Chud 2, Bud, with Bud the Chud. <laughs> Awesome. And I, I don't think he had any idea how much I love that part. Yeah. But yeah, so like it, it was just like always somewhere in the back of my imagination was this thing. You know, and it's also, it's weird too. You look at like when, whenever they would bring out tanks and planes and like mm-hmm. the Mazer cannon, like as a kid, I always thought of like when you would draw silly pictures, you would draw like those yeah. types of satellite dishes, like, yep. you know, like on the top of the Millennium Falcon, you would draw dome cities, you would draw tanks. It just yeah. was so even though it was like older already than we were, uh, folks, most of these first Godzilla's from 1954, right? Like they basically, what, 75 is the last one of the last that era, original right? original lineup, yeah. Right, of yeah. Terra. Yeah. So I was only three years old when the last one came out. So these are already retrospectively dated. Yes. Right? And that's probably why some of them have a hard time for new people to get into because yeah. not only are the effects dated, like, man, you get into some of the outfits in, in um, yeah. Yeah. First Megalon, which is one of my favorites, actually. But you're yeah, like, I love whoa, that. man, I'm a big Jet uh, Jaguar fan. Anyway, I digress. So I know I started getting a couple of those DVDs. I, I, I started watching some of those VHS tapes from, the, from uh, Kim's video. And then it kind of faded out again until I found that figure. And then it totally rekindled. And I guess Peter Jackson's Kong, too. Yeah. Oh, we're even skipping. We're skipping the elephant in the room. That's still ninety-eight. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a huge man. I wanted to like that movie. I was so geeked up for that movie, and all indications were that that movie was going to be exactly what it was. You know, but that movie um, introduced me to MonsterZero.org, um, which was an offshoot of ClubTokyo.org, which st- still exists. Um, and is an amazing resource if you're looking to get into Godzilla collectibles. Their yeah. collectible guide is second to none. Um, and that is how I made a bunch of Godzilla friends is based on MonsterZero.com, which I basically discovered because I was looking for news about the, the Godzilla 98 movie. And that's how I found those message boards. And that's how I st- really got into talking to people about Godzilla. Um, and I would talk to people about Godzilla. Then I could suddenly do it every day. You know what I mean? Because I could sign into this message board, at, you know, at lunch, at work, or after work for a few hours, um, you know, when I got home, and I could just shoot the breeze with these people who I'd never met and didn't know their real names, and look at their collection pictures, and then be like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to, I want to get into that, and you know, that's how I saw my first marmot was through a, an old toy magazine, and then I, I met a guy who had a whole bunch of marmots. I was like, Dude, I, you know, whenever I can afford, start afford to collecting marmots. Um, that is what I want. And, um, I had never heard of marmots or, or most of the, and I'll say this too. There's still every now and then in, in, in fandom and in collector fandom land, every now and then there's like a, a brand becomes very popular. Yes. And it's interesting how like, you're probably one of actually uh, one of the drivers in that sometimes where someone, you know, there, there, there's uh, levels of collectors, not just about the amount too, that are just more vocal on the forums with pictures and stuff. Yeah. I don't mean like ego. And somebody, somebody's like uh, U.S. Toys, like like six yep. months ago. All of a sudden, everybody wanted U.S. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm so new to all this. I'm like, I don't know what a U.S. Toy is. I've yeah. never heard of one. Toy Graph. Toy Graph right now is happening, right? Toy Graph is like huge now. And, you know, the Marmot with the Desu Goji one, like a specific yeah. figure, blows up. 
so these were you were finding out about these on 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 online rooms because I had never heard of these and I've been to Toy Tokyo and stuff because I've always gone there for whatever that's actually not far from me um mm-hmm. where where I went to school it's basically like you know uh, three blocks away from NYU yeah um but you're finding out of those through the through like online message boards and stuff yeah and that's how I met a bunch of people and you know, I was a slow adopter of, I was, I was on Facebook, but I was a slow adopter of joining any kind of Godzilla groups on Facebook until I joined the Godzilla collectors group and realized that a whole crap ton of these guys that I used to talk to every day on monster zero were in that group. <laughs> and I had no idea. So it was like reconnecting with, you know, it, you know, it had been like four or five years since monster zero was really an active page because Facebook kind of you know, Facebook kind of killed a lot of message boards. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of message boards, you know, left. And um, for better or worse, I think message boards have their have, – that's a whole other discussion. But I think message boards do have a – make things easier than Facebook. But, um, you know, suddenly I'm reconnected with all these guys that I hadn't spoken to in a long time and didn't even ever really know their real names. I might have known their first names. You know what I mean? And Facebook, the ease of sharing pictures of your collection. And so – I joined the Godzilla collectors group though, for the sole purpose of selling my collection. I was like, I, I, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, I got a, I probably have a couple thousand dollars worth of stuff down here. I'll just sell it and move on. And, um, I just kind of lurked in the group for a while and looked at things. And then John Bumpus, um, who you know from the group, yeah, put some stuff up for sale. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy some stuff. <laughs> and so I think I bought four or five figures from him. And then the, that was it, man. It was like an avalanche at that, from that point on. And it was just like, you know what, man, I, I you know, I'm, I have a disposable income now. These things are freaking cool. I have a whole big basement that I want to finish. So you know what, let's just, let's just go nuts. So, and that was like 2014 and I went really, really hog wild for about two and a half years at G fest. Um, my first G fest, um, was that year I'd never been to a G fest before. And I, I saved- didn't realize this was so new for you in terms of that, the group yeah. that's around the time, like around the time I signed up then and, and first messaged you. Yeah. I know I- that was like, that was like a tidal wave of, of you were getting like, uh, we call it yeah, listeners who aren't into this. We call it box days. When you, when you get a, when you get a toy in the mail, when you get a figure in the mail, it's a box day and it's victorious. And you yeah. were the first box day sent to me outside of a, like a, you know, um, yeah. I think I got one thing off of Entertainment Earth. I think I might have gotten something off of Ami Ami already. But you were the first one that actually wrote like Box Day and yeah, like I wrote it real bit, stuff, yeah. stuff on it. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't realize that it was like around the exact same time. Yeah. I, my, I met you as I was getting – I met you within probably three or four months of, of oh, really – I, I, I had no idea. My, yeah. my intro to X Plus, I, I, I hated it because the most expensive figures I bought was the Gargantua's uh, yeah. Diamond Reissue set. And I think I just missed them in GMK. Like those were like I think had just kind of come and sold out and were yeah. starting to get expensive. And uh, I didn't realize it was like right around that same time because I yep. saw that you were getting figure after figure – and yeah. I was like, that's when I started. Like, I was like, oh, Marmots are really cool. I like that design stuff. Kim actually tends to prefer those in the M1s. Um, I didn't realize that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I got into it. I mean, again, I was into it, but I wasn't, I wasn't into it to the extent that I, that I got into it the, that, that period of time. And I think I did whatever. And you see it now in the groups, too. You'll see some someone that you haven't seen before join the group. And then all of a sudden they're getting box days, box days, box days, you know, for, for months at a time. And then it kind of, it kind of cools off. And I think I've reached my kind of cool off period. I get maybe five or six box days a year now. 
you know, I'll, I'll probably go a little bit nuts at G Fest, but nothing like that first one. And you reach a point where you're just very, you're like, Oh man, I'm really just content to like sit among my collection. And I'm a big advocate of, um, having my collection be, um, like usable in my life. Meaning like, I don't want it to be in a bedroom. Yes. You know yeah. what I mean? With the door shut or, you know what I mean? Like it's in, a, it's in my man cave, you know what I mean? And you know, I have a, I have a big screen projector. I have a bar down here. Um, I'm really into the whole, like, you know, if I didn't build a bar, I could have another 65 figures. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like, well then, but I also want to be, I want it to be in a room where I like enjoy being in that room. <laughs> not, you know, not just when somebody comes over, I'm like, oh yeah, check out what's in this bedroom in here. It's full of Godzilla toys and then shut the door. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I totally get it. Like we're, yeah. we're not in an angle. Normally the, t- the, 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 I'm coming from the dining room table, which is turned because I, I teach classes in the living room. So we're set up, but my, my, my collection yeah, that. is, is just right, right yeah. by the TV. Cause yeah. I like to actually, Hey, not when people come in, they can see it, but I like to be able to like, if I'm eating or watching, TV, I could just look over and yeah. see it. Cause the cool thing now is like, there's figures like uh, up there. Like I, 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 I think it was a, uh, you know, like I got like a figure. One of those figures was from like Dell, and one of the, my GMK was from Dell, and um, you know, a bunch of them from John and Mike. And I can be like, oh, and then now I have figures that I picked up in Japan because that's the weird yeah. thing is in the Facebook group. So when Godzilla Earth comes out, right, it's like suddenly you're seeing these expensive Godzilla figures, and then you go to a toy store in in Japan, and like it's like going to Toys R Us and seeing like any random yeah. toy on a peg, and there's tons of them, like. It's it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. Uh, when I first went to, uh, man, I'm forgetting the name of the place right now. The Toy Castle. That's um, Mandarake. No, it's the mm-hmm. Mandarake is like a whole other thing. Nakano <laughs> Broadway, folks. Imagine going into like relatively like a Long Island dirt mall, wherever you live, Jersey, wherever it is, like like kind of like a dirt mall. Put it like I think it's three floors if I remember correctly, and just fill it like ninety percent with Godzilla kaiju anime collectibles uh, of all different sizes like one of the rooms is like a museum of like severe vintage stuff going way back one of them's all like they have an amazing like book and magazine and 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 video library they have a poster shop so it's kind of mind-blowing and it's hard to retain it all because you know online shopping now so much of us we're not used to going to toys r us's may they rest in peace or virgin mega stores anymore. And then you go to these stores that have so much stuff. Um, but now it's like, now I can I keep everything basically limited to the shelves that I have. Like my deal with Kim is, and it's been really great is like not to let it sprawl out any further. Like I got to give her props. She's like, she actually digs these things to a point, but she's not a Godzilla yeah. fan. So it's like, you know, I just sold, what did I just get? I bought like the two Kiryu figures that just came out, you know, the O2 and the O3 with the backpacks. And I sold my O3 without the backpack. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to find that give and take, but you know, I have like figures now from those Godzilla movies that, you know, I saw them at Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con in October and they were like $45 each. And then I was in Japan in December and they're like 15 bucks. Yep. Because they're just regular toys there. Yeah. Um, What's the most, do you mind me asking, what's the most you've ever spent on a figure? On one figure? Yeah. Um, my, I, <laughs> my Gigabrain, I, I think this would be it. My, yeah, my Gigabrain King Ghidorah, um, I spent 450 on. Um, and honestly, I mean, I've never seen it for sale since. 
Yeah, I've seen that other colors. That particular one, that. the gold and silver one, which is not actually the original one. I want to say it's the second version of that one that they released. Um, and I would say it's, I could probably, I mean, I know I could get more for it. I don't know how much more, but I, I, don't, I don't think I'd ever, it would be on the list of ones I would, you know, if it was like not eating for a week and selling it, I'd probably sell it. But other than that, it would take a lot for me to sell that, that particular figure. I love that figure. Um, and that's what other people, that's what people need to understand. There, these figures also have generally, you know, 20 variants of paint yeah. or some of them are glowing. The dark. It's the same figure, but this one's glowing in the dark and this one's uh, got a day glow paint scheme. And this one has a movie realistic paint scheme. And this, so, and I think people, I'm, I'm a big advocate of collecting what you like, you know what I mean? And um, for me, 90% of my collection is completely ridiculously colored. None of it's realistic to the movies. Um, but that's just it, something about that stands out to me you know and i do have some x plus nowhere near on the the amount that you have um but i do have some x plus and x plus is awesome i mean for something that looks if you want something that looks almost identical to the suits in the movie you're not gonna get any better than x plus yeah for me it's like i know this comes up too when you said how somebody comes into the group and they splurge like i know that i hit points where i'm like i really shouldn't be buying anymore and it took me a while to turn that down because i know in the beginning when i got in Diamond was doing reissues, but not like they're doing now where you can pretty much guarantee a figure was going to come back out. So, yep. you know, uh, I, I, I'm very grateful for these reissues. So folks, for like an example, like there's a Titanosaurus figure that I feel was going for like 500, 400. When they reissued it, it was like so in demand. Yeah. Cause it was super hard to find. And there were figures like you would just not even see people really posting pictures of except for a handful. And then all of a sudden they come out in America as a reissue. And they're, you know, 150 bucks yeah. shipped. And I'm yeah. like, holy crap. So I still have figures on my shelf that I look at that I'm like, I can't believe I have them. And, but it, it still took me a while. And I, I it, it, X Plus, and we've, there's been threads about this within our Facebook group. They do an amazing job, but they literally make it where if you bought everything, you'd be spending probably about 1500 bucks a month on their figures. Yeah, it's so much. It, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, you know, the, the gigantic line is a minimum of anywhere from 350 to 550 if you're buying in the States. Yeah. And if you're getting from Japan at 100 bucks, it's just a shipping on that stuff. And I just know, like, I've got kids, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't have like, you know, my, my business is always like in fluctuation as a coach, um, that I just can't, that is like a trip for me. I do put that in my head that like for, for two gigantics, you can go to Japan and that's not yeah. even like, it's a, well, almost maybe three, three gigantics. You three can gigantics go to yeah. And I, I keep that in perspective. Cause I see the collections and I'm like, Holy crap. And then there's like, you know, uh, you see the people that are getting custom work done and you're like, you know, part of you is like amazed at the collection. And then you're like, you start to think selfishly, like, what do they do for a living? Because <laughs> it's like, seems endless. But the flip side of that, and I know I've been on this, so I'm not poking fun at anybody by any means, is you start to see where like, I've gone too far. Yep. Like I now need to sell shit off because I need stuff. Yeah. And I've been very fortunate. I've, I've so far only really sold off to focus the collection or to get other things. I haven't had to do a fire sale. I don't yeah. collect my boxes unless the figure's particularly fragile and I'm planning on, you know, for a future move. Um, Cause hopefully I'll be able to stick with them, but I did sell off that Kiryu that I didn't expect. Yeah. And I sold off my Godzilla 55 set 
the two of those and Varen because I, I did start to go. Varen was a really cool one that I actually got. I think that might have been the first figure I got from John at Flossie's. And I don't love that movie. So it was like, and I know he's in like Destroy All Monsters, but it's just, I didn't have the emotional attachment for the shelf space. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I am too with shelf space as well. It's just kind of, it, now it's reached a point where it's like, I can, I can really like cram stuff in. But again, like I said before, I kind of, I, I appreciate like the, the displaying of it too. I don't want to just have a whole bunch of stuff crammed on shelves. I, I, I will say when you see some of the collections that are just like, you can't really separate the figures yeah. on one end. It looks really cool. But for me, I, I like having like space behind them. So you can actually check out the details. Yeah, let them, let them breathe a little bit and let them have their own little, little spot. And, you know, um, and again, maybe that's, a, and everybody, you know, displays it how they want or how they can, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not everyone's fortunate enough to have a, you know, half their basement finished. So, you know, if you're, you know, if, you know, if you live in a smaller apartment in the city, you know, you're going to have to do what you can do with them. You know what I mean? So do what you want and collect what you want. Just, uh, and that's the kind of the main thing. And I think there used to be a little bit of, of, I don't see it as much now, but there definitely used to be a little bit of gatekeeping in the collecting. Um, but you know, I think the whole, everything's just changed so much in the last couple of years with just, um, acceptance of geek culture that, um, like you were talking about with infinity war. I mean, it's just, it's not that weird anymore now to have a, to have an interest in this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard for me. So I got two kids and I can see how, you know, neither of them are in like, you know, they're not teenagers yet, eight and 11. And, you know, even going back, like before I had them, like it's hard now in this age when like green days had a Broadway play where, you know, we have like, you know, even when Iron Man one unexpectedly blew up that like, yeah. you can still feel isolated. And I know it happens. I'm not trying to take, make light of it. When, when Tony Hawk has had like, you know, multiple million billion dollar video games made yeah. versus like, you know, when, when I was a kid, when there's like, you know, there's like 10 of us skateboarding, you know, maybe 15 of us yeah. and you still had jocks that would give you shit or people would throw stuff at you. Um, or when being a punk was like, you might get in a fight for just being a punk. My school was pretty cool with that. Cause our, our, our jocks were actually pretty like into metal and stuff too. But now it's like, how do you, Hey, how do you feel like isolated as a comic book geek when it's like the biggest movie that ever opened yeah, in it's a comic book movie. infinity yeah. war now and yeah. Star Wars is still the second one now. Right. Yeah. yeah. But also what, what frustrates me and I made a post out of this out of like, well, forget what movie black Panther maybe is like, these movies are making so much money. Can we not support your actual local comic book shop and, and, and stop going <laughs> online and go there? Yeah. You know, I agree if you're, you're going to spend 40 to 50 bucks to go see and have popcorn and stuff to go see infinity war, spend 15 a month at your comic book shop and actually pick up three books or a book yeah. from them and not Amazon because it's not the same thing. And it, it drives me crazy that we can't do that. So like my daughter, even before she could read, you know, like, my part of the ritual is like she would come with me on Saturdays would be new comic book day for me just with work. And then finally they're old enough where they're reading well enough. And we go to the local comic book shop and Ben sort of got out of it. He doesn't, he likes reading his own stuff. He's not really into comic books. He likes the TV more. Yeah. Uh, but Sadie is, uh, you know, we go and she, she knows when Thor gets released 
And that's her that's one awesome. book, right? Yeah, and she'll like literally, man, it's like parenting of the year award when, you know, she's like, you know, it was raining out. And I'm like, Sadie, I don't know if we should go to the comic book shop. Do you want to call and see if they're in? And she has her phone now. So she calls and she called to see if they had the book in. And I'm listening to her going like, hi, excuse me. Could you tell me if you have Thor? And she knows the number. She'll be like, Thor uh, 705 in? <laughs> oh, next week. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> but then she was like, she was all bummed out. Uh, potential Infinity War spoiler. We're not going to go into it right now. But the thing is, it's like Sadie, um, Sadie finishes reading the latest issue of the Thor comic book. And they've had a female Thor in, Jane Foster, who was played yeah. by Natalie Portman in, in the first two movies, became Thor. And apparently they've ended the book with the latest issue. Like, what, I don't know where they're going with it, but they ended. So Sadie's bumming out on, on, on Friday that her book is ended. We go to see Infinity War. <laughs> you know, and she's sure that Thor is going to die. Listen, yeah. I'm not going to tell you if he is or he isn't, but things happen. And she was so fucking sad. <laughs> <laughs> because you're like our book ended and then this movie yeah. has things yeah. that are a roller coaster and i was like we win but like what's being yeah. an outcast now like how yeah like, not liking comic book movies i guess i don't know. it is sort of like it's like the yeah. anti-punk it's like yeah. it's the weirdest thing um what's your favorite uh if we if we count king kong 33 as the benchmark yeah what's your second favorite kong uh we would have what 76 <laughs> we'd have jackson yeah and we'd have and skull then, island honestly man 76 you know i'm gonna go with skull island but 76 when i think of kong is my kong i think it's yeah. also coming up from new york and have, being more connected with the with the world trade center for whatever reason yeah that was mine i think the design just from a just as a more impressive design and i love jackson's i mean it is super long it's yeah it's it could be it could be cut down by about an hour i'd say but but skull island it was so fun i enjoyed skull island i i look forward to what they do when they bring him into the godzilla into the godzilla universe you know man what what, what are your thoughts on godzilla 2 uh, I think it's gonna be good. I mean, I really like the I really like the first one. I know some people really didn't like it, but man, it's I loved nice it. to hear you say that, man. I kind of loved it. Like, look, there's some story issues, and there's it's some not perfect, but I mean, it's good. But people are like, there's not enough Godzilla. I'm like, I actually like for once there was restraint. Yeah, there were a couple. There were a couple things. The cutaways to, uh, from him. The first one I didn't mind. The second one I did mind. The rest of the movie. I mean, it's a seven. Like, I grew up, and you grew up watching 70s Godzilla on TV. You know what I mean? Because that's what was on TV when we were kids, and for the most yeah. part, were 70s Godzilla movies because they were cheap for the TV stations to get, and they needed to fill airtime, so they just showed cheap <laughs> Japanese monster movies. You know what I mean? So they showed Gamera movies and 70s Godzilla movies. and um, So I grew up with that superhero-style Godzilla, and that movie's like a straight-up 70s Godzilla movie. Yeah. I mean, with, but with really good special effects. But I, all that's missing from the end of that movie from to, is the is the crowd waving goodbye to him as he leaves. I mean, otherwise, it's a it's a seventy yeah. superhero Godzilla movie. I super enjoyed it, and even with the limited amount of like actual action in it, I still that's one I can still throw on and like repeat watch yeah. fairly often. It's funny that you mentioned again. I forgot to say this about WPIX. So like I you know I graduated from NYU and I'm trying to find a job and <laughs> I interview at WPIX for like. Some oh, yeah? t- 
some like tape room or mail room thing and yeah. in the interview in my ill-fitting suit that I've hidden the tags because I can't afford to own this suit yet. <laughs> I mentioned how I missed the, <laughs> the the marathons. The marathon, yeah. And I think it basically blocked any chance of me working there. <laughs> they were not impressed and they were like, oh shit. Yeah. Um, not impressed at all. I totally forgot about that until you mentioned it. Um, no, uh, yeah, it. I really like that movie, man. I, I, I don't know, man. People... Uh, you know, people did kind of hate on it. I think it's really strong. The second act is where it drags a little, and then the third act's excellent. But think about the from the beginning of that movie until he shows up, until that shot of him at the airport is so awesome. That's definitely one of the best Godzilla entrances in any Godzilla movie ever, is that yeah. shot of him at the airport. Um, but the whole build-up to that point is so well done. And... And then, yeah, it does kind of drag a bit in the second half. And then the third act, uh, or the second act, I should say. And then the third act picks right back up with a pretty decent monster fight. You know, um, I think the studio didn't know if it was going to be a success or not. And they didn't want to put out a bunch of money for monster effects. I have a feeling the next movie is going to be full of monster effects. That's my only concern is it's too many characters happening at once. Like, uh, you know, I I feel like they're going to pull it off because they have like legitimate Godzilla nerds at the helm. Like I really, it's one of those things that I love that Marvel did, but Marvel had this patience. I hope because we're getting King Ghidorah, Rodan, Mothra, and and, Godzilla. Godzilla. I wish they would have saved King Ghidorah for the third movie. I kind of agree with that. I think a teaser of Ghidorah in this one, yeah. building off of the little thing at the end of Skull Island would have been a nice play. Yeah. And then had that happen. Or, you know, save Mothra. Like, let this be their Empire Strikes Back and save Mothra, who is generally a good guy or yeah. gal, uh, yeah. for the third one. So maybe they could have paced it out. But I'm really excited to see what they do with Godzilla vs. King Kong at the end of that, too. I am too. And I got to assume there's going to be some other big bad monster in that movie because I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to let one monster. I don't think they're going to let Godzilla or King Kong defeat the other. Yeah. I think, I think that movie has to end with them defeating some other monster. So you never know. Maybe King Ghidorah is such a badass in the second movie that he is the, the villain in the third movie as well. That would be kind of cool. Here's a weird question. Would you rather see them third movie since we don't know what's happening, like after Kong or whatever, or maybe it is in Kong. Would you rather see them create a new kaiju like the Mudos or would you rather them just take another classic character and bring them in? Oh, I mean, any, any classic character to me would be cool because I just like to see what, um, what CGI can do to a classic character. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I can't wait to see what Rodan and Mothra look like um, with state-of-the-art special effects. As, as good as... Some of the effects were in the in the later 2000 movies. I mean, at the end of the day, they were still practical effects. And man, that sounded terrible because I love practical effects. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's something to be said about a, a fully CG King Ghidorah, and he, and they're doing mocap for him, so it, it is someone acting King Ghidorah. Yeah. But I mean, if they do that right and they don't screw it up and they make him look like King Ghidorah, he's such an awesome monster. Like that's just so exciting. It's so cool to me. Like he's such a cool monster. As long as they don't make him look like a Western style dragon. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want that. You know what I mean? Like I don't, don't give him four legs. I I know it doesn't make sense that he's got two, that he doesn't have any arms. Don't give him arms. He doesn't need arms. You know what I mean? Yeah. I understand he's gold. Leave him gold. He doesn't need to be green. (laughs) I know he has a goofy voice and each head has a different distinct voice, but that's cool. Leave all that stuff is what makes him cool. 
So I hope they don't Americanize him too much. But at the same time, I'm curious to see and I'm excited to see him somewhat Americanized, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked on it because I know there was a lot of crap talking about the 2014 Godzilla design. And I freaking love it. Like, that I got to admit, cool. I, I, I've been struggling when we talk about buying figures. I've been really struggling because I, I have the Rick version of that that came with the, you know, the little Mudo figure. Yeah. yeah. And I've always wanted the Roaring Godzilla, but like, it's such this, it's so, the, the rest of the pose is so the same that I'm like, do I really need both? And then they threw in the Mudo head with the reissue. And I'm yeah. like, God damn it, I want both, but then I don't want to spend the money on both because there's something just, I love him in his classic pose. So yeah. I, it's, there's something I really dig about that, but I get that some people were super frustrated by that, but I, I didn't have any of those issues. Nice. But as we start to wind this down, because you were actually concerned that we would talk about an hour. <laughs> we could fill an hour, and we have filled an hour. Yeah. What is your favorite Godzilla movie of all time? Godzilla versus Gigan, man. Oh, all really? The, all the way. Oh, yeah. All the way. It's I so. Want, it's I want so X Plus to make that tower yeah, so okay. badly. God, I wish. That movie is is so so silly, and again, people confuse favorite with best. Like that's by far yeah. nowhere near the best Godzilla movie. That's a good point. What would you say uh, the, the best one is? Uh, Godzilla, probably Godzilla versus Mothra, Mothra against Godzilla, or um, Monster Zero, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those two. I mean, Mothra, Godzilla versus Mothra, this 1964, um, which uh, the anniversary of, of it being released is this week, actually. Um, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's so good, and... It's uh, it's kind of got everything you kind of want in a Godzilla movie. It's got really good human characters. It's got a really awesome Godzilla suit. It's got really good special effects. It's got a fantastic soundtrack. Um, it's just a really, really good movie all the way around. But having said that, Godzilla versus Gigan has aliens who turned into cockroaches. So, <laughs> I know. And, and it's just got such over-the-top cartoony dialogue that uh, it, it just I, I probably watch Godzilla versus Gigan five or six times a year. Nice. I'll just I'm, put it on, you know. Fa- favorite for me, I-, I love that you made that distinction between best and favorite. Favorite yeah. for me is Son of Godzilla. It's always going to mean the most to me. Yeah. Um, uh, best from like a quality standpoint, I'm going to have to go with the first one with Gojira because it is like the scary one. It, yeah. And it's from a visual effects standpoint when you realize what how what they were able to do then yeah. was amazing. From best in terms of like one that like surprisingly, because it's not one that I saw as a kid a lot, I, I really love... Godzilla vs. Ebera, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a great... I love, I love both the island Godzilla. something, like, so well-paced and designed for that, and maybe it's just because I'm a sucker for, like, you know, weird shit happening on these islands. Yeah. I, I think that's, like, my best. Um, where That's the one where I find myself compelled to throw on more than yeah. I would have ever expected. But again, it's the, it's the classic Godzilla, early Godzilla formula with all the characters are cool. They're all really likable. You know, it's it's got good effects. It's got a good suit. It's got a cool monster. It's got cool bad guys. It's got a good soundtrack. It's just all around just a good movie. So yeah, I told you, it's got Akira Takarada in it as a you know as a, a bank robber with a heart of gold. How can you go wrong? Such a good movie. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Well, hey man, we're gonna wrap this up. Thank you so much for coming on. And I do want to give shout outs and and and. and I want to have more of the, it's a, it's a weird thing. Uh, if I open up to the listeners about this, like I've been very fortunate that guys like Brian in the group, in these Facebook collector, Godzilla collector groups uh, have been very helpful. Kyle, 
and, and um, David have helped me tremendously with my last two trips to Japan, giving me yeah. like advice on where to go and visit. Super grateful guys for you for that. Um, Christine oddly helped me find as a trainer, uh, Godzilla pants. She had tights on and I train in tights. I teach in tights. So she helped uh-huh. me find Godzilla tights. That's awesome. uh, I got to meet her and Jessica at, um, chiller last year. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, other, other cats that have like, you know, sold traded, certainly, you know, uh, vampire robots, flossies. Um, I can't, you know, I think I've anybody that's I bought off of or sold to just, it's a really cool group. There's drama there sometimes. There was just a whole lot of drama fairly recently. Um, but it's like when people are passionate about stuff, shit goes. There, there's always going to be sometimes. drama in any kind. And honestly, ours is pretty good. Like if you go to like some Star Wars groups and read some drama or especially after the last Star Wars movie came out, it's just like, man, all right, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty chill. In our, you know what I mean? In our little corner of, of nerddom. There was enough Star Wars drama after The Last Jedi and my that, just yes. on oh, everybody's God. regular feeds. Yeah. I don't need to be in a group for that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to say this. I'm waiting for everybody to bash on the Solo movie, but I cannot say enough good things about what I'm seeing for the Solo movie. I think it was it, cool. It is not Harrison Ford. We get it. It's supposed to be a young version of the guy, and this guy's playing it off. I love the tone of it. We get to see when he met Chewie. I guess we're going to see the Kessel run. We get to see Lando. We get to see when he gets the Millennium Falcon. Like, we get to see when he gets his blaster. Now, that's a lot of, like, getting to see things. I'm cool with it. This preciousness that people feel of, like, the original trilogy, and I get it. Like, I wish we could erase the prequels. I enjoyed some of them when I was a kid. I wish we could erase it. Yeah. you know, when, when we're like, they're destroying our childhood, it's like, guys, like, I, I was a reader of the X-Men for decades. It's like that book would suck for 10 years. Yeah. And you would still buy it. Yeah. And you would just get through with it, but you'd have more story and it could lead to something. Like, let's just appreciate more story. Whether you like it or not, like a James Bond movie, let's just appreciate more story. Instead of like, my childhood's been ruined. Yeah. Has it? You still had it. The thing that you like becoming popular is not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, at the end of the day, more of what you like is good. So that is something I've never understood where it's like, well, I've always liked this. And now, now they're giving me more of it. And it makes me angry. Like, why? You know what I mean? (laughs) Totally. We like a lot of the same music. So like when one of those bands, like, especially in like, you know, the early nineties, late nineties, when punk rock broke and metal started getting big and everybody like, fuck those guys, they're sold out. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like you, you, you used to like hate being alone yeah. <laughs> and now you have yeah. this opportunity yeah. to be amongst your friends. Yeah. It's like, it, it's that specialness that we define ourselves by seems to only be special if it's unique outside of ourselves. Right. Yeah, Does that make exactly. sense? Like, yeah. and well, everybody else is into it now. So it's not as special for me. It's like, well, yeah. actually like that's your own ego baggage you got to yeah. deal with. And maybe yeah. you would have more friends regardless of Godzilla or star Wars or twilight or Potter or whatever. Yeah, if, if that band that you love so much has to break up and get real jobs because they're not selling records, how does that do you any good? You know what I mean? It does, that does no one any good. Dude, so, it, it crushes me when you have, like, you know, especially, you know, growing up in New York, the New York hardcore scene, these are bands that have, like, influenced so many people. And, you know, they, 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 you know, they tour sometimes still, sometimes put out albums, but, you know, you know they all have, like, regular jobs. And it's like, yeah. I, I'm like, you are resting like everybody else, all these multimillionaires are resting on their shoulders. Like these folks deserved like the gorilla biscuits from New York. I know they do really well. Um, and in all their side projects, but like in my mind, like they should be like 
super wealthy for the impact they've had on music. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to being like, they sold out. Well, they didn't, but they deserve to have success. Yeah. I just, it drives me crazy. Like yeah, when Siv had that big hit, you know, can't wait one minute more. Like, fucking that's great. Yeah, I love it when, dude, when Faith No More um, did their reunion in 2009 and everybody in the was like, Faith No More so great. Like, really? Where were you? You know, <laughs> but by the same token, it was so awesome to see them getting props. You know what I mean? For being this really influential band to so many other bands. I remember uh, when they played Download, they, uh, somebody had interviewed Corey from Slipknot and they said, What's the, what are you looking most forward to? They were playing Download. What are you looking most forward to at this Download? And he, and he said, watching Faith No More. And I was like, that is so freaking awesome. You know what I mean? That is I remember, awesome. Yeah, you know back, I mean? back in the day, I remember, was it James Hetfield back in like the, the Injustice for All era, or maybe Enter Salmon era was like, Faith No More was like his favorite band at the yeah. time. Well, he used to wear a Faith No More shirt. Yeah, I mean, that's probably where I first heard of them and, and got We Care A Lot or something. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was fortunate that some of that stuff I was able to dig into prior to, uh, prior to like, you know, Epic hitting out. Yeah. What's your favorite Faith No More album? It's a hard um, one, it, it, all, it, flip, it flip-flops between Angel Dust and um, King For A Day. They're both so good. I'd probably Angel Dust, though. You know, we, I just did like one of those like 10, 10 yeah, days of 10 I best albums, yeah. and I put Angel Dust. And then I drove to and from Boston to teach this weekend, and I put on King for a Day, and I, I'm, I might have rethought that. That's King a hard one. Excellent, man. And the new cool. album's freaking surprisingly great. I really great like too. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you know, give it a shot, folks. Um, well, hey, we crushed it, man. This was super fun. <laughs> yeah, I had a good time, man. I gotta, you gotta go get out up. to G Fest. You gotta get out to G Fest, man. <sighs> so we'll two, for four nights in a row. <laughs> two years in a row, I've had to work on it. And this year, uh, I'm set to work on Sunday, and then I was going to fly out on Thursday and be there Friday, Saturday. Yeah. But it looks like we're going to a wedding in Kansas City. I love you, Ray and Christina. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, it's not looking good this year either. Um, but every year, I rent the room, <laughs> so it's yeah. on hold with the best yeah. of intentions. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to make it this year. But let's try to meet up at like a chiller or something because Kim and I yeah, definitely more in article. She's really into horror stuff too, so we've been having more fun going. Yeah, I, dude, I love those. I love Monster Mania. Monster Mania is a blast. So if you want to never do been to one. Oh man, they're, they're such a good time. Yeah, and right they, Cherry Hill. I don't know how far Cherry Hill is from you, but it's not. Not it's terrible. like, I think it's like an hour and a half, maybe. I think that's the first yeah. chiller we went to was in Cherry Hill. Yeah, dude. Um, uh, yeah, they're fun. They're really fun. And that gives yeah. you the best of everything because there's some Godzilla, there's some horror. You know, there's just your, it's just the, the whole thing, but it's not so big that, you know, you, you like lose track of, of your friends and stuff. Like, it's, it's, it's a good time. Yeah, so. we brought the kids with us the first, the first time we went out there. It was uh, the one that uh, Megumi Odaka was there. Signing. Oh, yeah. And uh, so we brought the kids, and it was really sweet. She gave Sadie, uh, my daughter, a rose, like a fake rose. Oh, that's pretty cool. She's yeah. now up on my 89. Nice. Um, and we had a great time, but it was also like there was a dude working the event in the beginning dressed as some, like, you know, road warrior mutant guy who yeah. – knew he was scaring the kids and played it up and it was kind of funny but it was also yeah. kind of like if you did this outside of this line we'd have a serious issue <laughs> yeah um some of those guys look forward to that type of crap all year long yeah you know <laughs> but it was cool well hey um tell the listeners where they can find out more about your collection what you're into where, where do you want them to follow you man um i mean i'm an admin one of uh Five, five of us, six of us. God, I don't even know. Um, admins, uh, the Godzilla Collectors Group. 
on Facebook, which is literally just the Godzilla Collectors Group. And then uh, you can follow me on Instagram if you like looking at pictures of toys. 90% of my Instagram is pictures of toys. Um, and my Instagram is Sofubi Samurai. Uh, all one word. And you take good pictures of toys. I try. I'm no David Dobko, but uh, no, I, do, I, do my, I do my best. <laughs> or is it uh, Jeremy, too, is, takes amazing photos. Oh, yeah. Summit Kaiju? Yeah, he's, he's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of good when you find these purposes. Like, I, I'm, I never expected how my, my interest in Godzilla, I became branded as the Godzilla, like, fitness guy, like the yeah. trainer, trainer yeah. guy. So that it's part of my marketing. It's actually, it's, it's, I, can, I can view it almost as, a, as a, a business expense at this point because everyone knows that that's, like, my, our, the Patronus of what I yeah, do your, is, yeah. is yeah. Godzilla and related stuff. Um, cool. I will say this. Uh, if, listeners, if you're like randomly want to just check out the Godzilla's group, that it, I probably would you say that that's a good idea? I'm thinking like you should be really. Oh no! I mean, if you yeah. want to, yeah, no. if you want to collect, I would say get in the Godzilla collection. Yeah, <laughs> it's if not something. Look at, if you just want to look at toys, uh, just just check my Instagram. Check check the Instagram. Just follow me on Instagram. Yeah, because it's, it's a it's a less judgy zone. <laughs> yeah, because you the might collectors group might be. It, it's so. not the happiest place for folks not in the know or trolls. Um. <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, it's well. People don't. I think a lot of people don't understand that it is an ex, it is expensive to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and people, I think a lot of people see Godzilla. Oh well, I'm gonna. I like God. I like Godzilla when I was a kid. Let me see what I can get for thirty five dollars. It's it's here's a hint. It's nothing. There's almost nothing you can get for thirty five dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it, anything really nice, like you're not. And by nice, it's all. What does that even mean, right? Because like even yeah. the Bandai figures that used to be fifteen twenty bucks are now the cheapest they, one is. Thirty-five, forty dollars. Yeah, and, one, and once they hit the states, it's like everything goes up. Like I've yeah. got a bunch of those, uh, the Ultraman Big Safubi line that came out last year. The the yeah. they're like eight, eight, nine inches, mm-hmm. and they're like sixteen bucks a piece. You know, yeah. off off a peg there, and like they're instantly thirty here starting. So yeah, yeah so that group, it's it's an awesome group. If if you are a Godzilla kaiju collector and you feel alone, yes, come, that is come the join place. us. That is the place for you. If you just want to view these toys, uh, check out Brian's Instagram. You can see when I post up stuff. I usually post more of that, I think, on my Instagram. And check out clubtokyo.org, right? Like that yeah, place. Clubtokyo.org, is- man. If you just click on their, uh, I think it's just the, under the header of figures. And it's, it is extremely well done and very thorough. And even if you don't want to buy anything, you just want to kind of learn some things. Um, it, it has a ton of stuff. So I know that I've gone there to look at what variants and what certain figures are that I've seen for sale. I've I've used that as like a backup anyway. Hey, so at the end of every show, the guest tells the listeners to die mighty because it's my mission statement. Can Brian, can you tell the listeners to die mighty? Die mighty. Nice. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Uh, listeners, a a look, a, a deep, look inside the world of godzilla fandom um i'm it's actually oddly kind of nice to know that i'm not alone on it in terms of the context of my non facebook godzilla crew like welcome to my world of fitness guys this is what it's about thank you for listening stay tuned for the next episode the coach fury podcast is created owned and produced by yours truly steve coach fury hollander for fury industries llc 
Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.NYC.com for band, album, tour, and merchandise information. And the artwork is created by Glenn Urieta. Visit GlennUrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or on Instagram, at Glenn Urieta. Thanks, everyone.